Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Hey everybody, how is it going? Okay, so before I get started, before I get started, I need one volunteer, someone who's feeling good. Who's feeling good? Who's feeling good? I need one volunteer. I need one volunteer. Christian, come on up here. Yes, yes. Come here, come here, come here. This is what I need from you. I don't... I don't have time to explain why it's important, but this is probably the most important thing you've ever done in your life. Can you stand here for me? You can actually, yeah, 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 stand here. Now put your arms straight out. Put your arms straight out, keep them like that. And you have to hold these here. And if they fall, everything's ruined. So just hold, just don't, just stay. Okay, you're good? Good, perfect. Okay, awesome. So guys, welcome to week four of Awkward Conversations. Hopefully, by now, things are a little bit less awkward. Ignore him. Just ignore him. He's just, he's just doing something very important that if he fails, it'll be <laughs> awful. So, um, for the last four weeks, we've been talking about how it's sometimes awkward to pray because sometimes we don't know what to say, right? So, we've been going over what to pray, how to pray. We're going in all these directions, right? The first week, we talked about praying up our praises, right? We pray up our praises. The next week, we talked about praying down. Yeah. Kendra, what was it? Do you remember what it was? Praying down. What was that? Do you remember? It's okay. Praying down was we talked about confession, right? Praying prayers of confession. Last week, we talked about forward and not just like focusing on today's problems or worries, um, but praying for our futures and asking God to transform us to be more and more like him. So we prayed up, we prayed down, we prayed forward. And tonight, which direction do you think we're going to pray? Yes. To, to, the, to the right. You're right. You got it. You guys got it. So tonight we are talking about praying to the right. And I don't know about you guys, but I have some friends that I would consider like my right-hand people, right? My right-hand people. That those are people that are right next to me all the time. And if I need help, I know that they're going to be there for me. And that's who we're talking about tonight. We're praying for the people to our right. More specifically, we're going to be talking about praying for the Jesus followers in our life, right? That's what we're going to be doing tonight. So how are you doing? How are your arms? You're a little tired? You're a little tired? You need, the, <laughs> you need the workout anywhere? Okay, that's fine. Keep going. So I need you all to close your eyes. We're going to pray real quick. God, I thank you that we can gather here tonight. Please help us to be better Jesus followers when we're done with this than when we started. Amen. Okay, so we're actually going to start tonight in Exodus, okay? Exodus chapter 17. Um, and there's a lot going on in Exodus, right? It's a really cool book. There's a lot going on. Um, at the beginning of Exodus, God's chosen people are in Egypt, and they're slaves in Egypt. And then he hears their prayers, and he's like, nah, 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 this isn't good. So he, he sends, like, Basket Boy Moses, right? We know about Basket Boy Moses. We don't have time to get into his whole story. Um, but basically, there was Blood River, Boils, and uh-oh, bye-bye to the baby boys. So there's a lot going on there. After all that happens, though, God frees the people from Egypt, right? And so then they're on their way to the promised land. He goes, hey, I have this place for you to go. And so he sends his people out to this place, right? So they're on their way there. And um, when they're on their way there, a bunch of people come and attack them. And that's where we pick up in Exodus chapter 17. And actually, can you please put your arms back out? Thank you. That's actually, can I have, I need two people to come help him real quick. Kiefer, come on up. Grab one of his arms and help him. Help him out. And uh, Jonah, come out. Can you come over here and also help? Just like hold up his arms for him. Like you guys can do this. You got this. Put your arms. No, don't touch him like that. Do not touch him like that. This is fine. Perfect. You guys are doing it. You're so good at this. Okay. Excuse me. Shh. 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 Kiefer. We're about to read the word of God, so we need some reverence. Please. Shh. Hey, Kiefer. You're helping him. Thank you. Okay, Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. So this is a lot. I need you guys to focus. 
because we got a lot to get through right here. So ready? While the people of Israel were still at referendum, I don't know how to say that word ever, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out, Jonah, Choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. Right? So this is what's happening. Moses is like, hey, I'm going to go hold the staff. You're going to go fight. Right? So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur, three people, climbed to the top of a nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand like this, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on, and then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. Do you see what's happening? Do you see what's happening here? Holding up his hands. Um, and so they, 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 yeah, so his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. So that's what's happening in the story, right? Moses needs to hold the staff up because while he's holding up the staff, the army wins. And the problem is that arms get tired and that battles are long. So give it up for these guys. Great job. Great job. Um, yo, you dropped all the Bibles. Can I, can I please? You can just put them right here. Thank you so much. How, was that? how are your arms? How, how, how did it go? How, how were you feeling? Was it hard? Was that hard to do? Oh, my gosh. Get out of here. Normal people would have said, yes, my arms hurt. And then it was helpful when someone, um, when someone came and helped me. So, that's true. That's true. So, this is what happened, right? Moses, Moses' friends see his need and help by holding up his arms. Just like we need to look to our right and hold up our fellow Jesus followers in prayer, right? That's what's going on here. That's what we are going to be talking about tonight. So, like I said, for normal people, it would have been hard to keep your hands out. And this is the same thing in life, right? Life is hard. Life can be hard. Even if you take everything about Jesus following out of life, it's hard, right? You have to worry about getting good grades. You have to worry about like, your friends. You have to worry about getting along with your family. Um, some of you have to worry about money and jobs and what you're going to be doing next after high school, right? Life can be tough. Life can be a lot to worry about. It's extremely exhausting, right? Sometimes we can get in fights with our family. Sometimes our friends can let us down or school is just so stressful that it overwhelms us. Sometimes life doesn't turn out the way that we wanted to or the way we planned, and sometimes it's just all of those things all at once. And it's super overwhelming. And then on top of those things, we as Jesus followers have a bunch to do because Jesus asks us to do some things. He says, hey, spend time in my word. You should tithe. You should be serving in church. You should be helping others. You should be praying. You should be sharing your faith. And a lot of those things are going to help you feel better and they're going to make your life better. But sometimes when you're in the moment, it, you can forget and it feels overwhelming, right? Life can feel overwhelming. A few weeks ago, we talked about John 15, 5. And um, this is Jesus talking. This is what he says in John 15, 5. He says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Something I keep learning over and over again is that I need Jesus every day in every way for everything, right? I just have to keep learning that over and over again because I so easily forget it. And like that verse says, I, can't, I can do nothing without him. I, I won't be as good of a leader without him. I won't be as good of a friend. I won't be good, as good of an uncle without him. And it's the same for everyone in this room, right? Without Jesus, you don't have the ability to be the best student you can be. You don't have the ability to be the best athlete you can be. You don't have the ability to be the best nerd that you can be, right? Without Jesus, you are not going to be the best that you can be. So like I said, life is hard and we need Jesus. And Jesus knew that we would need him, but he also had this plan. 
If we go to the book of Matthew, Jesus says this to Peter, who Peter was one of the 12 disciples, one of the guys walking around with him when he was here on earth. And he says this in Matthew 16, 18. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, Jesus isn't talking about a building, obviously, right? Like, he's not saying, like, I'm going to build a building on you, so get ready, because that's going to be awful. Um, he's not saying that, right? He's, he's saying that he's going to be building, like, the big C church. Like, all of the people of God together, working together, that's what he's talking about. The church. If you read the book of Acts, you can see that the church does a lot. I highly recommend that you read the book of Acts. It's really cool. There's a lot in there. They do so much. It's all about how the early church started, what they did. They, like, loved the unlovable. They fed the hungry they sold everything they had and split it up between them so that everybody would have enough. Like, they did a lot of cool stuff. They were really cool people. And um, we can be that same church today. Like, we're called to be that same church. You should read Acts because it's awesome. Um, it's a short read. Don't worry about it. You should, you should try it out. So we need Jesus, but we also need each other, right? He made the church. He put it into place. He had a plan for the church because we need each other. We need the Jesus followers around us. Can we survive with Jesus only? Of course, he is enough, right? Jesus says he, he is enough. He is enough for us and we can do it. But he knew we might need some more backup. And so he added something to make our lives better, right? So it's like Jesus and the church together make this perfect, this perfect group. So just like how Moses needed his friends to help him, we will often need to lean on our Jesus-following friends for help. Lean on the church, right? Lean on those Jesus-following friends. Lean on the church that Jesus envisioned. Here's a true fact. Everyone in this room struggles. Like there isn't a single person in this room who doesn't struggle with something, right? It doesn't matter how long that they've been doing this Jesus following thing. Everybody struggles with it. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible they can quote. It doesn't matter how many hours they pray. It doesn't matter how good they are at praying out loud. It doesn't matter if they share their faith every day or if they've led like 500 people to find Jesus, right? It doesn't matter. Every single person has struggled with their faith a little bit, has struggled to follow Jesus, they struggle with sin, they face fear and anxiety, they wrestle with doubt, and sometimes they don't know if they can do what God's asking them to do. Everyone struggles. I keep learning about how I need Jesus more every day, and there's another thing I also forget, is that I need Jesus, but I also need Jesus' followers around me. I need to have those people around me, because we need each other. We can't be out here doing this um, Jesus following on our own, because our arms get tired, and we need someone to be there to help hold us up. We need people to pray for us. And it's why we meet on Wednesdays and why we meet on Sundays and why it's part of the reason why the church exists is so that we can hold each other up, hold each other accountable and pray for each other. So yeah, a great way to hold each other up is to pray for someone else, right? So let's look to our right and pray for our Jesus-following friends. James 5.16 says this, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayers of a righteous person has great power and produces powerful results. And now the Bible is full of... Jesus following people, praying for other Jesus following people, it's part of the reason why we do it, right? Because we want to be like Jesus, and we want to do things that he did. And, and there's another Jesus follower in the Bible, his name's Paul, and he wrote the second most amount of words in the New Testament. Do you know who wrote the most amount of words in the New Testament? Not you. True. I didn't write any of the New Testament, thankfully. Does anybody know? It is Luke, actually. So Paul wrote the most books, but Luke is a very wordy man, so he just has all the words, like 2,000 more than Paul. Um, Paul likes short and concise. Luke was a detailed boy. So here are a couple of examples of Paul praying for other believers. He says this in Philippians 1.9, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Colossians 1.11 says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. 
Ephesians 1, 16 and 17 says, I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. And these are just a few examples of Paul praying for, his, uh, for other Jesus followers, right? And like I've been saying over and over again, we need each other and we need to be praying for others, but we also need prayer ourselves, right? So you're not an island. Like, don't think like, oh, I'm going to pray for other people and that's it. No, you need prayer yourself. We're not an island. We're not strong enough to do this on our own. And if you think you don't need prayer, then you definitely need a lot of prayer. <laughs> don't, yikes. Um, even the guys who walked around with Jesus needed prayer. Even the guys that were like right next to him, seeing everything he's doing, seeing all the miracles, seeing him resurrect from the dead, they also needed prayer. Um, Jesus actually prays for one of them. He prays for Peter. We kind of talked about him already. And um, well, he needed prayer too. So Jesus says this to him in Luke 22, um, verses 31 and 32. And before I read this, it's going to be confusing. He says, Simon, Simon, Peter, same person. Don't worry about it. Like he changed his name, Peter. Rock. Eh. He has a couple names. Don't worry about it. Get over it. So Jesus says to the rock Peter, Simon, uh, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to, sh to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. So this, he says this to Peter right around the time that he is about to get arrested, right? And spoiler alert, they arrest Jesus and he dies on the cross. Double spoiler alert, he comes back, raises from the dead. It's, it's kind of like our whole deal here, right? So Jesus died and he rose again so that you can close the separation between us and God. Um, it's really cool and life-changing. And if you want to know more, talk to me about it as soon as we're done. Um, it's the best. So like I said, this happens. Jesus prays this for Peter right before Jesus gets arrested. And it's when Jesus gets arrested that a bunch of stuff, like Peter does a bunch of stuff, he kind of like, falls away a little bit. He's, he, he denies Jesus over and over again, and he betrays Jesus a little bit, and he, he straight up like cusses someone out and says, like, I don't even believe and know who Jesus is. Like, he's, he does that. Like, that, that's, that's Peter. That's our, that's our guy here. Um, and so we can see that Peter loses his faith for a little bit, but Jesus prays for him to stay strong, and eventually Peter comes back, and he becomes the head of the church, like Jesus says, that, that rock that the church was going to be built on. I'm super glad that the Bible isn't filled with perfect people because I can read it and I can see, hey, God can still use me because they use these people. Yeah. And none of us are perfect, right? Many of you are probably struggling with your faith a little bit, maybe have some doubts, have some trust issues. Um, and if that's not you right now, or maybe it has been you, or it will be you in the future, or maybe you know someone that's right now kind of falling away, kind of leaving Jesus behind, or they've left Jesus behind completely. There's this classic Facebook mom meme <laughs> that I'm sure um, you've seen like a version of on the internet somewhere because it's kind of everywhere. And it says something like this. It says, they usually say something around these. It says like, um, we are friends, so always remember that when you fall, I'll pick you back up. <laughs> After I finish laughing. <laughs> like that, right? It's a classic. I'm sure you've seen it somewhere. And the reason why you see it kind of all over, <laughs> the reason why you see it all over the place is because it's kind of true, Right? It's kind of true. Like when we see somebody fall, or, I mean, for me anyway, my first reaction is to laugh first and then think like, oh, wait, I should probably help them. I, maybe some of you have more empathy than me, but when I see someone fall, it's funny first. And then I think, oh, no, they could be hurt. I don't know. Do you guys know about the, the grape stomping lady? Do you guys know about the grape stomping lady? Um, it's a classic YouTube video. We all know it. She falls on her face and makes some of the funniest pain noises I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> She's clearly in pain, but it's so funny to me. Oh, my goodness. Me too. It's so funny. Here's the thing, though, is while we're watching that video, if you pay attention, 
The lady falls on her face. She's making a ton of noises. I start LOLing. But meanwhile, the lady that was stomping grapes right next to her jumps down and checks on her and starts helping her. And I think we're actually pretty good at helping people physically. Like when we see somebody fall down, we know what to do. We can either, you know, it's like, okay, if you know some first aid, you can maybe bandage them over if they need it or if they need ice, if there's some swelling. Um, if you have no idea what to do, you know to go find someone because they know what to do. So we're, we're, I feel like we're pretty good at helping people. Even if it's like, oh, I just need to help you up and you help, help them stand up after they've fallen down. We're pretty good at helping people know when they have fallen physically, like what, what, what we do. What do we do when someone falls away from Jesus a little bit? What do we do then? That is a tougher question. What do we do when someone starts making bad decisions that we know that's going to hurt them? Sadly, for a lot of us, our first, our first reaction is to start laughing and probably gossiping a little bit about it. Like if we, if we see somebody do something awful, we, we laugh and gossip about it a little bit. We're like, can you believe what this person did? Can you believe what this person said? And you laugh about it a little bit. And that's bad. <laughs> the, the Bible says over and over again that we shouldn't gossip, and that shouldn't be our first reaction. Our first reaction shouldn't be to gossip and to laugh at someone. Our first reaction should be the other grape-stomping lady. It should be to help them, to pray for them immediately. That should be what we should, what we should do. Most of us aren't going to be close enough to the person to like directly call them out, right? Because that's like a really sensitive topic, and that's something that needs to be done so lovingly and so nicely. So most of the time, we're not going to have that relationship with someone to do that, but we can pray. We can always pray, and we should be praying first, and it's, that's our job. Someone else will have that hard conversation, and if you don't think someone else will, maybe it is you, but you have to do it so gently and so kindly. Um, I think we get it, right? We need to pray for each other, and hopefully it's thinking in that we need prayer to get through, and that we need to pray for others to get them through. It's this beautiful, symbolic relationship the church has. We pray for each other, and we get through together. It's part of having Jesus-following friends. So here's the real cue. What should we pray? Right? It's like we've talked about this. Like, okay, we're going to pray for them, but what should we be praying? And it's actually not that tough. Just last week, we talked about praying for ourselves, right? We talked about praying for our futures, praying for stuff like that. That's exactly what we have to pray for other people, right? If, if you're praying for yourself, you should be praying it for other people as well. Pray for their futures, their struggles. Pray for them to grow in Jesus. Pray for them to stay safe while they're traveling. Anything you pray for yourself, pray for them. And I feel like in this room, we got a couple of really good Jesus followers. So we're going to get a little, we're going to step it up a little bit. So take a deep breath because it's going to get tough. And this next part is something that I also struggle to do, okay? So we should pray for each other. Easy, right? That's so easy. Yeah, obviously, I'm going to pray for you, bro. But we should be also praying with each other. That one's a little, that's a little tougher. So Jesus says this in Matthew. He says, where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So I fully believe that God hears our prayers when we are alone. In fact, he tells us to like, you know, pray in our prayer closet. He says, like, don't make a spectacle of fasting and praying. It's a whole thing. But there's something special that happens when a group of Jesus followers get together and they pray for each other. They pray with each other. There's something special that happens. And it's something that we should all be doing and something I should be doing, but there's a big reason why we don't. And it's because it is very awkward and kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, recently, my job has forced me into these weird, super long meetings where we talk about work for a little bit and we talk about how things are going. And then we each individually, there's like 40 of us in this call, we each individually have to talk about how our personal job is going. And it's awful and it's awkward and everyone's just trying to get through it as fast as possible without sounding like a complete idiot on the phone. It's, it's really awful, um, but it's just something that I have to do. It's the same for so many things in life, right? Like sometimes we 
um, face things that are just uncomfortable, and most of the time, it's better if you just do it. You just face it, and you get through it. And it's the same thing with prayer, right? If we just start doing it, it'll start to feel better. I'll tell you that when I first started standing up and talking in front of people, I felt super nervous. I was super uncomfortable, and I still feel that way a little bit, but each time I do it, it feels better. Each time I do it, it feels like I get better doing it. So we just need to start doing it, right? We need just to step up and start praying with each other. We need to step up and start praying together out loud, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's awkward. So here are some questions. Who is praying for you? When life is good or when life is falling apart, who is holding up your arms before God? And whose arms are you holding up? Those are the questions, but I know that you can find your answers here. And before we go, I'm going to leave you with a couple do's and don'ts, okay? Super easy. This is when we get practical right now. Ready? So do, number one, pray for the Jesus-following friends in your life. Easy, right? We talked about it over and over again. You get it. Do not say you will pray for them and then not do it. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to send a text saying praying or send the emoji that's like the prayer hands and then you never actually pray for them. Super easy to do. Don't do that. Pray. So there's a couple things you can do. You can either immediately pray, which is easy, right? Just as soon as you say, oh, praying, just quick pray. Like, dear Jesus, I'm praying for this person. I don't know what's going on. I'm praying for them. It's like, it takes 30 seconds, you can immediately do it. Or, which is another good one, get a note in your phone with prayer requests in it. If say, I'm praying for you, write it down in your note, and then when you go to pray later that day, when you're doing your 10 and 10, you can look at your note and remember to pray for that person. So do pray for Jesus' following friends. Do not say you're going to pray and not do it. That's the worst. Don't be the worst. Do ask your Jesus' following friends what you can pray for them about, right? Easy. Send them a text, ask them in person. Just say, hey, what can I pray for you? Just do it. And then, you know, when they tell you something, obviously pray for them. That's, you know, the next part. But do not use this as a tool to get tea on other people and spill it. If someone is honest with you and they tell you about their struggles or they're telling you something that's going on in their life because they want you to pray for it, that does not mean that you get to go out and start telling people about it. That does not mean that you get to have that cool information and like gossip. Gossiping is a sin. So don't do it. It's messed up. Jesus wouldn't approve. If they're in danger, you tell a trusted person. There's a difference, though, between there's someone in danger, you tell a trusted person. Or if you think they might be in danger, tell a trusted person. So do ask your Jesus following friends if you can pray, or what you can pray for them about, but do not use it as a tool to get the tea. I'm watching you. Do. So the next one, do let the Jesus following friends in your life know when you need prayer. Sometimes no one's going to text you. Sometimes no one's going to ask you. But you will know, you know when things are going wrong that we need each other. So ask for prayer. Go to someone that you can trust and ask them for prayer. So many people in this room will do it. If you don't know who to go to, go to your small group leader, go to Pastor Chris. Anyone in this room will be so willing to pray with you and for you. So do let the Jesus-following friends in your life know that you need, when you need prayer, but do not feel forced to tell every Jesus follower everything. Some things are just for the closest people to you. Some things are just for your parents or for your one super trust close, like trustworthy friend, and that's good and that's okay. You do not have to spill all of the tea. You just don't. You can, if you feel like you want more people praying for you and you want to be vague, that's completely fine. And if someone's vague with you and just says, hey, I need prayer, you don't have to ask them a thousand questions to get the tea. Just accept that they need prayer. God will fill in the blanks. He's a big God. He knows what's going on. So that's it for tonight. Um, I hope you guys remember now. Pray up our praises. Pray down our confessions of prayer. Pray forward. Pray for our future. Pray to the right for the people next to us. Jesus, I thank you so much for everything that you've done in our lives and that um, because you died on the cross and resurrection from the dead that we even get to pray. We get to have conversations with you. We get to have a relationship with you. 
So help us to remember to lift each other up in prayer. Help us to remember that we need each other every single day. And help us to remember that we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.